I'm really proud of this one. That's what Dessa said on her social media about her new album, Bury the Lead. In a media ecosystem that is so fickle and unforgiving, Dessa has some great online presence game, and she has parlayed her social intelligence to cultivate some unique connections for a hip-hop artist. See her collaborations with the Minnesota Orchestra, writing a theme song for a best-selling novelist's new book, and lecturing about neuroscience projects, amongst other things. Even after these 20 years of Dessa being perhaps the definition of independent, self-made, and diligent, the arenas and the headlining festivals and the teeny bopper top 40 crowd seem to elude her. And that's precisely what it seems her new album is chasing. Now, I love Dessa. Or rather, more precisely, I love Dessa's body of work her oeuvre, and who amongst us has not welded their soul, sometimes painfully and unreservedly, to an artist's work? If you haven't, what are you even doing? I have written at length before about Dessa's music and writing and my relationship to it. It's meant a lot to me over the years. It is her unique mix of hip-hop delivery, indie music vibes and melancholic lyricism all on display when I first heard her on NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts, which has carried me from that performance through most of my 20s, attended by all of the things those years tend to entail. It was a heady time to become an obsessive over an artist. Recently, I was lucky enough to see Dessa perform in her hometown Minneapolis at the Downtown Orchestra Hall with the Grammy Award-winning Minnesota Orchestra. She was accompanied by her longtime collaborators on vocals, Abby Wolf and Matthew Santos, among others. It had been over a year since I last saw her play at a little grungy venue in Santa Cruz, California. Seeing her on the big stage with big projections and big sound and a big backing band with a sold-out audience, no less, well, it felt good. When she walked out on stage to applause and the crowd finally quieted and the first notes of her song Jump Rope struck and she started singing, I got a little teary-eyed. Suffice it to say, I'm a big fan. And that's why I reserve the right to unapologetically say that I do not love Dessa's new album. So, let's get into it. So I actually do like the first song, Hurricane Party. Uh, the theme of it is right up my alley. It's ironic defiance in the face of catastrophe. The lyric, DJ says don't hold back because the water won't. The notion that we are living in the end times, no, really, for real this time, guys, is not an original one, but we are certainly still in need of good art to make sense of our current catastrophe, or at least document the fall. And Hurricane Party is a worthy addition to that list. But even on this first song, something is amiss here. 
Dust's previous albums, the pinnacle for me being 2018's Chime, were reliably a perfect mix of three things. Moody philosophizing, charming egotistical bravado on Dessa's part, and aching romantic hang-ups. Not to mention her liberal use of the word kite in her lyrics. You cut the kite strings, I've seen my name in these consistent touchstones are still present on Barry the Lead, not suffused, but in flashes. Her lyric, not a side piece or a wife piece, I'm a think piece, provides the requisite swagger. Not a side piece or a wife piece, I'm a think piece. If you're done then, take your dishes to the sink, please. Wash to the right, dry to the left. Mind is a kite and the fall is a mess. Out of office, out of body. Out of fucks to give Sorry, not sorry With a busted rib Ain't a thing to do about it Just tape and time And then you take the turn again Leaning harder Hope the road Yet something is stopping Its lyrical themes From really clicking This something My best guess Is the album's production By Dessa's longtime collaborators Andy Thompson and Laserbeak The music here on this album Is more upbeat Neighborhood of 128 beats per minute and less darkly Delphic than the production duo's previous work with Dessa, more likely to end on a major chord than a minor one. I should perhaps admit a bias here. I was initially drawn to Dessa's work because the music was so different from what I expected from my admittedly unlearned experience with hip hop. Instead of samples, there was a real band. Instead of club beats, there was a string quartet. On my recent stay in Minneapolis, a local showed me the music of the rapper known as Idea, who was coming up in the same Twin Cities scene as Dessa's hip-hop collective Doomtree in the early 2000s. Idea tended more towards a grungy rock kind of sound than Dessa's indie vibes. But the basic subversion of typical hip hop sounds is the same. You lost your glow in the glitter and the gold. I couldn't stay alive inside your toe. Hold, hold, hold on. I really gotta go because I'm not pulling into your home. With Barry the Lead's musical turn towards pop, the synthesized sax sound, the drum machines, the shiny vocal overdubs, I'm frankly just constitutionally less likely to be reached. Though, the hits on the bell of the cymbal on the song Chopper do get me going for some reason. And the crescendo midway on I Already Like You makes me simultaneously turn up the volume knob in an act of sympathetic augmentation. What lyrical depth there is on Bury the Lead is present almost in spite of the poppy instrumentation and music production. What I mean is that it's more difficult for my ear to get invested in the lyrics, to parse them, to listen with intent, to take them seriously, when I can't take the music, which is standing in front of instead of supporting the lyrics, seriously. Good music can elevate merely passable lyrics, but bad music, or more precisely in this case, ill-suited music, is deathly, even to Shakespeare. For a good example of this, 
check out the two different versions of Bob Dylan's heartbreaking song, Most of the Time. The solo acoustic version is genuinely haunting and often makes me cry. But the full band version is... Most of the time I keep on feeling I can find the path I can read the signs Unlistenable. These new-ish pop sensibilities on Barry the Lead are clearly a very deliberate direction by Dessa and her team, but they strike me as somewhat inappropriate, perhaps a reaching for broader appeal at the expense of doing the best service to Dessa's lyrical skills. Now, I should be careful here not to tread into the this isn't the real Dessa argument. Dessa can do whatever she damn well pleases with her musical stylings, and by definition, it's all the real deal, no matter what she chooses. In her liner notes for the album Chime, explaining why its sonic and lyrical toolkit was more expansive than her previous works, Dessa wrote, quote, Thinking about how you'd like to be perceived is different than thinking about how best to express who or what you really are." Unquote. This is true. If Barry the Lead is a facet of who Dessa really is, that's fair enough. But my argument here really comes down to what's on offer with Barry the Lead is not like what came before, and what came before is better. Dessa's preceding album, Ides, which was really a compilation of singles she released piecemeal during the height of the pandemic, is a good point of comparison here because that album successfully balances on a tightrope of accessible depth that's strung above the pit of commercialism and below the firmament of obscurity. Ides feels generally more off the cuff and lighter than previous albums, but its songs still pull some hefty weight, starting with the genuinely brilliant Rome. Take your fronts out if you're talking to me. No VIP says VIP. I've known powerful women and beautiful men, and none of them calling for bottle service settle down and settle in. From that song's dirty bass, Dessa going up an octave for the final chorus, her critique of shallow identity politics with the lyric. Or her dalliance with Marxist materialism. The natural order is value neutral. Culture institutes a few virtues. Capital comes and brings moral confusion, but do anything long enough and the body gets used to it. Or her lovely summation of our culture of surveillance with all of these things make Rome just classic Dessa. It's literate, political, witty, and fun. That's the whole album. With Ides, Dessa proved that she could have her cake and eat it too. Alas, with Barry the Lead, it's mostly just cake. By way of another comparison, I've often thought of Dessa as the hip-hop version of The National, another one of my favorite living artists, and a band which turned depressiveness into sold-out arenas worldwide. Like Dessa, 
the Nationals' lead singer and lyricist Matt Berninger, has made a career of mining the poetry from certifiable melancholy. Dessa's line from her song Good Grief, Time has a funny kind of violence and I'm trying to keep in mind it can't leave you the way it finds you, would sound quite natural coming from Berninger's sad baritone voice. And, like Barry the Lead, the Nationals' latest album, First Two Pages of Frankenstein, though clearly a part of their long trajectory, has shifted hard from their well-worn, moody, sad dad indie roots to something more like pop. Berninger is doing a goddamned duet on the album with Taylor Swift. T-Swift, of all people. It feels less like The National and more like Rod Stewart. My God. All hope is lost. I am an old man already in a 20-somethings body. Does the notion of selling out even bother people anymore? Or are we all just commodities maximalizing our material value these days? By the way, Dessa would be a much better choice for a collaboration with The National than Taylor Swift, but I digress. I do find some legitimate joy on Bury the Lead. The catchiest song on the album, and my personal favorite for loudly singing along to, is 12 to 1. It comes midway on the album and offers a fine treatment of Dessa's usual heartache, particularly with the line. It's hard to meet someone, to unmeet the last one somehow. Musically, the song sounds like a mix between the scripts top 15 hit Break Even, Falling to Pieces, and some generalized Owl City song. Now, those are both good pop bands, so it's not like the similarity is inherently a bad thing, though the comparison to the consistently cloying Owl City may feel like a low blow to some, but for me, it's a guilty pleasure. I just didn't expect such musical reminders from a Dessa album. Fun fact, Dessa's long-ago one-time live drummer, Ryan House, went on tour with Owl City. The organ that kicks in on the second chorus of 12 to 1, played by Andy Thompson, sounds exactly the same as the chorus chords for Break Even. doesn't help that both songs are in the key of A. Likewise, the bass line for the song Crash just sounds like U2's With or Without You, which is one of those common, hard to avoid four chord songs, of which many are genuinely brilliant, but you gotta dress up that chord progression a little bit. Crash, with its barely over two minute runtime, doesn't have the space to take flight. More than half of the songs on Bury the Lead don't hit the three minute mark, which sometimes leaves the listener with the musical equivalent of blue balls, and not in a good way. Next up is the song What If I'm Not Ready. 
Its simple, unadorned guitar riff and bass line that opens the song is reminiscent of the strictly live vibes of Dessa's previous album, Caster the Twin. That album being notable for its sole commitment to a tight backing band. Later, on What If I'm Not Ready, the chorus opens up into a more airy, expansive instrumentation, replete with strings and long reverb that sounds similar to moments on the darker Parts of Speech album. This is the first time on Bury the Lead, already mostly through, where you start to get a musical taste of the work that came before. The lyrics are a reflection on the pitfalls of cleaving too tightly to one's independence. Maybe you're too attached to your freedom. Tooth does it on let anybody in cause you don't like them Some people pathologize the behavior on display in that lyric and call it an avoidant attachment style. The way Dessa puts it. And now for Rothko, the last track. This is the song that makes it hard to not like the album. I mean, what other pop album would reference a Caduceus? What other pop song would derive its whole framing from an apocryphal quote by an abstract painter? Rothko is purported to have said, There is only one thing I fear in life, my friend. One day, the black will swallow the red. And of course, Dessa just had to go and write one of my favorite lyrics of hers in an otherwise uneven album. We seem to be ending before we begin. It's like losing the feeling in phantom. God damn it. It's not like I was ever worried that Bury the Lead would somehow make me lose hope in one of my favorite artists, but Rothko left me with inarguable assurance that I was so wanting right at the end. In regards to how she thinks people will take her new album, Dessa told People Magazine that, quote, in some ways it's like in a conversation I can't write your side too. There are going to be experiences that people come to the music with that will determine which parts really resonate. Somebody who just got dumped is going to listen to a different set of songs more intensely than somebody who was on their first trip on a train through Spain. Different songs are going to pop." Unquote. Album as conversation. It's an interesting notion. I usually felt that songs are less like a conversation and more like a personal collection of totems. Less back and forth, more a one-way trip. And this is coming from a musician who records and plays music and who finds it essential to stare at someone in the audience eye to eye for an entire song just to feel like the whole thing is worth it. I often think about how there are certain songs and albums that I carry with me in a central way, likely for the rest of my life that were recorded by some small, local, now defunct outfit or a single songwriter in their bedroom that, by trick of circumstance, made it to my eardrums and my record collection 
And that person who made that song has no idea, will never know, really, how much it means to me. The advent of recorded sounds is really a revolution in how humans relate to the world around them. The sensitive California folk rock songwriting of Kevin Coons, which I first heard at the impressionable age of 14 with his band Candle, it follows me everywhere I go. Kevin Coons can't help that, and neither can I. And the high rubber voice of the oddball Colton Ort, one of the two lead singers of the now-dissolved Saint Cinder, is fixed in my brain forever. I've met Colton Ort. He complimented my poetry, but he, the real human being Colton Ort, with his real mind and his real heart, can never be sitting next to me on those long drives at night through the evergreen forests of Oregon, singing along to St. Cinder's albums back to back. He can't know the quiet times by myself where I play Winter's Lament on the guitar as a way to exorcise something in me, emulating his harmony and wishing he could join me on the chorus. He can't know the hours of listening time I've put into Saint Cinder to the point where I can match his wild vocal runs perfectly. It may cross his mind every so often that someone somewhere is listening to the 21-year-old version of himself busking on the streets of New Orleans. He may, like Richard Manuel of the band, understand that his music is bigger than himself somehow, even troublingly so, and quite beyond his control. But it must be vague, intellectual, and fleeting compared to the solid, central space he occupies inside me. I carry many others like him with me all the time, but it is ultimately a lonely wait. It's not a conversation. It's a private communion. So it is too with Dessa. Commenting on her music, Dessa once quoted her own mother. A few years ago, I gave my mom the rough mixes of a new album. And she said, baby, it's beautiful, but why is it always so sad? You always make music to bleed out to. I thought, who are you hanging out with that you know that phrase? Yes, mom, that's exactly it. Dessa wrote an essay for her book, My Own Devices about her very real inquiry to an insurance company to see if they would insure her melancholic heart against unwanted, unalloyed happiness, which would be a sure death knell for her writing inspiration and therefore her artist's income. Spoiler, the insurance company declined. Though a person's constitutional moodiness may never go away, how much that well can be pumped, and how fit what bubbles up remains for drinking, is an open question. So, anyway, I've listened to Bury the Lead while tipsy. I've listened to it high, as usual, with any album. I've taken it for long drives. Basically, I've given it a good chance. For albums that I'm really into, 
They bring me into their own world, their own space. A good album is a real, physical place to inhabit. It's an altered state of reality. It is a somewhere that you go, somewhere with intention. The music makes you see things. It elicits a quite bodily response. It colors the time that you spend with it. It leaves a heavy mark on the region where you first heard it. Dessa's chime, for me, is the lush backroads of southern Indiana just outside of Evansville in the summertime. The moisture, the cicadas, the warm, heavy rain. Parts of speech is driving at night in my first hand-me-down car through my small hometown, killing time with youthful, vibrant friends, thinking about someone far away who I wanted to be with more than anything. Bury the lead didn't take me anywhere, and it's not hanging around either. I suppose, if I'm really being honest here, this is all just personal for me, in case you couldn't tell by now. In this particular moment in my life, I don't feel like dancing. I don't feel like entertaining pop sensibilities. If Dessa is feeling those things herself these days, great. All the power to her. But I'm not there. I wanted the next Dessa album to bleed out too. I wanted something to cry over, something to hunt, something to carry with me for the long term. Bury the Lead is not that album. It's for dancing to, for a passing tryst, and maybe to finally get Dessa on some overrated corporate ranking chart somewhere. I guess we'll always have chime, kid. Cue the airplane engines revving to take her away to someplace I cannot or will not follow. We spend our days and nights deciding where to go and how to ride there. And in the end, again, we all vote yes, we all turn left. We lean to turn in the velodrome. We lean to turn in the velodrome.